0: Open your Bibles with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. We're continuing our series on Christianity 101. And remember what the basis of Christianity 101 is. And that is that people make the statement that all religions are fundamentally the same. And we know that they're not. They are fundamentally the same except in the areas of what they say about sin, salvation, heaven, hell, nature of God, the nature of man, the nature of the church, the members of the church, structure of the church. Uh, We understand that biblical Christianity is completely separate from every other kind of Christianity and from every other religion. And so we're trying to establish some foundational things um, over the next few lessons. I'm not sure when I'm going to start it, but I want to do some fundamentals things like what do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about inspiration and preservation and all of those types of things? How do we interpret the Bible? How do we understand it? Just those foundational things in Christianity that we really need. You know that there's a lot of assumptions. There are a lot of assumptions that are made by teachers on the understanding of their hearers. And so one of the ways to correct that or to um, keep that from happening is to make sure that you're teaching all of those foundational things. And repetition is the key to learning. So even if we have heard some of these things, it's good to hear them again. Amen. It's good to hear them again. This morning, I want to speak on this subject of who am I, the call of God. And let me show you where we get this title from. Look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. So God has called Moses. And in verse 11, the Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I, the call of God? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this morning to see how you work in people's lives. And, Father, I pray that all of us will find ourselves in this message and in this subject. And, Father, please help us to have your mind in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Who am I? God's supernatural call. God's supernatural call. You know, the Bible says that every saved person has been called by Him. Every saved person has been called by Him. Many times when we think of the call of God, we think of the call of God to full-time Christian ministry to be a pastor, to be a missionary. And that is a specific call of God. There's no doubt about it. Um, someone was asking me just recently, how did I know that I was called to preach? Um, it's so interesting. And this, this happens probably with many preachers. Other people knew that I was called of God before I did. So my senior year of high school, I went to a Christian school. We had a musical that we did. And they had not planned. It was all done by the students. And the students hadn't planned A conclusion to it, an end. So we're getting ready to start that day or that evening. And one of the girls came and said, Awesome, can you say something at the end? Remember, they called me Awesome. That was my nickname. People didn't even know my name. They called me Awesome. And if you'll remember why that is, it's because I played soccer. Someone crossed the ball to me in front of the goal. I wound up to kick it. Kicked so hard, I missed the ball and fell down in front of the goal. And they said that was an awesome kick. That's where that came from. So this girl came to me and she said, Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Jim, and I'm a dweeb. <laughs> that was my position in high school, dweeb. But um, so she comes up and she says, Hey, awesome, can you say something at the end of the of the thing to close it out? I said, sure. And I don't know why they asked me. I didn't even think about it. And I got done, and I closed it, and I gave the gospel and closed this thing out. And what's funny is it was a real... Um, interdenominational, not a very aggressive Christian school. You guys know what I'm talking about, that type of setting? And so some of the people were just shocked. Who's this guy giving the gospel at a, at a gathering? But I got done, and these kids walked up to me. Are you going to be a preacher? No. <laughs> so funny. It's just people, they, they saw that in me before I did. And what is it? God creates you to do things. You know, I was in business. I was working at a window store, you know, selling, uh, working at a home improvement company. And I'd sell windows and siding, and we'd have to work in the showroom for a period of time during the day. And so I'm sitting there reading Francis Schaefer and all these theology books, getting ready to teach our singles, or I mean our couples class in our church. Just, you understand that normal people don't do that, right? And so that was God working in me to do what I do now. So you would say, how did you know you were supposed to be a preacher? it 's just what i do it's just it 's in me it 's just what I am so now how do how do you separate that call to be a preacher from the call to be what God has you to be as a christian it 's the same thing God created you to do something specifically for him he has empowered you and he has enabled you to do that but here 's what we all say who am i i, I, I can 't do that. I can't do that. I remember in Bible college, sitting there, some preacher would be up there preaching, and I'd sit there and I'd say, "Man, I wish I could do that." Uh, so, I, what is it? Philippians two thirteen. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He gives you the desire. So I had the desire. I just didn't believe I had the ability. I never dreamed. I remember the first time I saw Dave McCracken do our operation. Go the evangelism that we'll do that we do here, and uh, we'll go through that again. A week from Sunday, is that right, Pastor Nathan? It will be a week from Sunday that we do the evangelism training here at the church. But uh, I remember watching him do that. And here's what I, I remember saying. Exactly, this is what I'm thinking. Man, I wish I could do that. And when you say that, the idea is that you can't, right? I didn't think that I could. And now I can do that. Why? Because I was trained to do it by by Brother Dave, and then God's just equipped us to be able to do those things. But what about you? Because we all have that question, who am I? What can I do for the Lord? Who am I to be able to represent Christ in the world? And here in the the call of Moses, we see so much of our own problems in it. The call of God on one's life is always a supernatural event. Well, by nature, wouldn't it be because God is supernatural if he interacts with us? That is a supernatural event. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Man, the backside of the desert, that is the middle of nowhere, right? So he's in the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, remember when you see the angel of the Lord, it's almost always Jesus Christ. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, can I tell you something? That's not normal. Right? That was an unusual occurrence. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see... Now, look at what it says. The Lord. Who was it that was speaking to him? The angel of the Lord. Now, who is it? It's the Lord. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. So do you recognize that this is a supernatural event? This is a supernatural event. Now, when Jesus Christ spoke to you, when the Holy Spirit of God knocked on your heart's door, and said, you need to repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in me alone for your eternal life, that was a supernatural event. Do you all recognize that? And what I love to see is what happens in people's lives after that happens. There are people in this room, you are a different person than you were before you got saved. There are married couples, your marriage is different than it was before one or both of you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It is a supernatural event. The call of God is always a supernatural event. And the call of God on one's life is always a holy event. Do you know that you can't serve God and Satan at the same time? Remember that wonderful vocalist, Bob Dylan? You got to serve somebody. How many of you know that song? You know what I'm talking about? And it sounds about like that. Um, You really do need to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You see, the call of God on your life, it is a holy calling. It's a calling away from the world to Him. Of course, that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is the process whereby God separates us from the world unto Him. And remember, you can never become what you need to be by remaining what you are. The call of God on your life is always a holy calling. Look at verse 5. And He said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, I think that there's a real flippancy in Christianity. You know, I remember my dad talking about this. Of course, when I was a kid, it was the hippie movement, you know, the Jesus people movement. And one of the problems that dad identified was they would talk about the old man upstairs. And that would really bother my father. Because isn't that disrespectful toward God? And so we need to understand that we need to look and examine our lives for our own flippancy about God and the things of God. We need to now understand that in Christianity, there's a lot of Christian comedy now. We like to laugh when we come together. And I'm all for that. I'm all for the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So I'm not trying to, to make Christianity a very dour thing. It's not dour, but it's serious. It's not dour, but it is serious. And we need to understand that there is a holiness that, is, that accompanies the call of God. And what does holy mean? Holy means other. It means separate, completely different. And the Christian life is completely separate and different from the life that we have lived before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the call, His calling on our lives. It is always a holy event. Not only that, the call of God on one's life is always for the deliverance of others and for the glory of God. And here's what I want you to say. It's not about me. Can you say that? It's not about me. Everybody now. It's not about me. That is one of the huge problems that all of us experience is we come to church and it's about us. We get involved in ministry. What's it going to cost me? Oh, you mean I've got to not do that? Oh, you mean you want me to do that? we got the fair ministry coming up. And I, every year we have this same thing where I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. It's not comfortable giving somebody the gospel. Can you be honest? How many of you feel that way? Would you raise your hands? How many of you feel that way? Nobody. Good. So, Pastor Nathan, it's all going to be filled up today before we live because everybody's excited about going out to the fair ministry. How many of you, it's a struggle? To do that. Yeah. All of us feel that way. All of us. I think there are some people there that God has gifted them to be able to speak to other people in that way, and they just love it. There's no timidity to it. The rest of us aren't like that. And yet we're still there's not the gift of evangelism, there's the call to evangelize. It's really important that we get that. That's part of the calling of God. The call of God on one's life is always for the deliverance of others and the glory of God. Look at verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Can you imagine what Moses is thinking? Well, then you go do that. That's interesting, isn't it? Look at what it says. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land for and, and large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So what do we see here? That the call of God is always for the deliverance of others and the glory of God. So here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to deliver people out of the hand of the fowler. That's the, a word that the Bible uses. The, that's Satan. He is trying to destroy people. The Bible says that they are captive to his will. Well, God's will is that they be saved. It's not my will, God said, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And how does God accomplish that? Through you, through me. We have the calling of God to deliver people and to bring glory to God. Because I've got to tell you, if God uses me to do anything, it's only to His glory because I can't do anything. So it's up to Him to do it. So the first thing that we see is God's call is always supernatural. And number two, God's supernatural commission. His supernatural commission. What is the commission? That's what He tells us to do after He's called us. Look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, what had Moses done? He had fled Pharaoh. He had fled Egypt. And now God's saying, I want you to go back and I want you to talk to Pharaoh. This was not in Moses' plan. Right? He had his life plan and his life plan was different than God's life plan for Moses. God's supernatural commission. I want you to see something. First of all, God's commission is clear. His commission is clear. There was no doubt what he was supposed to do. Look at verse 10 again. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, I want you to think about something. Imagine if God right now told you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Iraq. And I want you to get all of the Christians in Iraq. And I want you to lead them into Turkey. Anybody here ready to jump at that? By yourself. Just go and do it. Now, here's the deal. I think that many of us would be willing, right? How in the world am I going to accomplish that? First of all, I don't know anybody in Iraq. How do I tell the difference between a Christian and a Muslim in Iraq? How am I going to do that? And then, how do I get to Turkey? I don't know the direction. Do you know the way to Istanbul? I don't know (laughs) it. So you get up there and you say, how in the world am I going to do this? Imagine Moses now. He's going and he's supposed to lead millions of people who are captives, owned by the state, out. God says, this is your job. His commission is clear. Bring my people out of Egypt. This is the same commission that he gave Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, To deliver his people. God sent Moses to deliver his people. Look at John chapter... Keep your place in Exodus. But go with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. So this is the same commission that he gave Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So he had been sent by God to bring Him glory. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. And then look at verse 14. He's supposed to lead His people out. I have given them Thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What did Jesus Christ come to do? He came to lead us out of this world. God told Moses, I want you to go and lead My people out of Egypt. He was sent by God to bring His people. Look at verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. What God had done was he told Jesus Christ, I want you to go, he's sent by God to bring his people out of the world. It's the same message, it's the same commission that he gave Moses. Now I want you to see something. The response to the commission was not the same. Moses' response was not the same as the response of Jesus Christ. Let's look at this. Christ's response is given to us in the book of Hebrews. Go with me there. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come, this is Christ, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. When he was sent into the world, God prepared a body for him. And he was happy to come and to do it. He said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will. Let's look at Moses' response. Go back to, chapter, to, Hebrews, to Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's a different response, isn't it? Jesus said, I'm coming. And Moses said, "Uh, who, me? me? You got the right Moses? See the difference in the response. It's interesting. Moses' response is typical. We first presume, and then we despair. We first presume And then we despaired. Do you remember how he presumed? Remember, God had raised Moses in Pharaoh's house. That Pharaoh had decreed that that the children of Israel, they're growing too strong and he was afraid of them. So he wanted all of the male children to be killed. Well, Moses' mother put him in a little boat, put him out into the water and she goes down, she follows him down the river and Pharaoh's daughter plucks that thing out and Pharaoh's daughter raises Moses in Pharaoh's house. Only God can do that. And there's his mother, Jochebed. She's standing there, and Pharaoh's daughter says, Hey, will you come and take care of this child for me? So she got to raise her own son. And so Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up as the grandson of the Pharaoh. That's the way that Moses was raised and trained. And he knew that God wanted him to do something for his people. So look at Exodus chapter 2, and look at verse 12. Or look at verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian, smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. So here's what he does. He presumes. He thinks that he has the answer for God's people. Do you know how many young preachers, young Christians, they think they have the answer for God's people? It is so interesting. No, God has the answer for God's people. And look at what Moses does, verse 12. And he looked this way and that way. Do you see what he's doing? He's going like this. Make sure nobody's watching. If you have to do that to serve God, you might be making a mistake. Right? And he looked this way and that, that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together... And he said to them that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou kills the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So this is what we do. The first thing we do is presume and then we despair. Oh, I know what God wants me to do. I can't do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then we despair. And so what did he do? He ran away. He ran and hid. He first acts rashly. The first thing he does is he acts rashly. How many of you, when you first got saved, said something to people that you wish you hadn't said? Isn't that interesting? He first acts rashly, and then he despairs and he quits because it didn't go the way that that he thought it should have gone. He quits. It is amazing how many things we start in the name of God that God never intended us to do, and when it doesn't go well, we think that God's finished with us. It's amazing how often that happens in our lives. Well, I think God wants me to, well, where did you get that information from? Who told you that? See, God's commission is always clear, supernatural, but it's always clear. And so when we do what God wants us to do, He will fulfill His purposes. But He first acts, acts rashly, and then He despairs and quits. Now, remember the significant thing about Moses. You've heard this before. He lived 120 years In the first 40 years of Moses' life, God taught him how to be somebody. Man, he knew which fork to use at dinner. He knew how to act in the king's court. He was educated by the best people. He he learned how to be somebody. Well, then where does he end up? The next 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert tending sheep. He learned how to be nobody. And then the last 40 years of his life, God showed us what can happen when God takes somebody who's learned to be nobody, and puts them to his work. That's who Moses was. It's an amazing story. Moses has a fixed and opinion of himself. Look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 11 again. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I? He has a fixed and immovable opinion of himself. I can't do that. A minute ago, I asked how many of you were excited to go to uh, the uh, or were not excited to go to the fair. And here's what happens. We want you to go out there and give people the gospel. And here's what many of us think. I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in me. That's not my personality. I'm not that type of person. We're just like Moses. We have a fixed and immovable opinion of ourselves and our own abilities. Do you know that God never calls us to do anything He doesn't equip us to do? And yet he's called all of us, he's called all of us to represent him in the world, to give the gospel, to live holy lives. But Moses has that fixed opinion. He's had 40 years in the desert with a bunch of sheep to think about his ability and potential. And what do you think his conclusion was? This is all I am. This is all I have. This is all I will ever be. He has a fixed and immovable position of himself, and then God intervenes. His opinion is this. I was never called to do anything in Egypt. Obviously, I had to leave. It's obvious. You ready for this? Here's what Christians say. I think God closed that door. Christians speak, right? Only God had a job for him to do. That door wasn't closed. He said, who am I? Moses has forgotten two really important things. He's forgotten two really important things. Here they are. Number one, who God uses. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's forgotten who God uses. Now, let me say this. 1 Corinthians wasn't written yet when God called Moses, but it is here for us. Who does God use? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 27. But God. Uh, I think verse 26 ties it in pretty good. (laughs) For ye see your what? what? What is that? Overflow, what's that word? Calling. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called... But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are wise, that no flesh should glory in His presence. You see, the first thing that Moses had forgotten, the first thing that Moses didn't know is who God uses. Who am I? Who am I? Exactly. That's who God uses. That's who He uses. The first thing. He said, the the, the first thing, who am I? Then look at this, the second thing, the power of His presence. Go back to Exodus chapter 3. I want you to see this. It's wonderful. Look at verse 8. God said, I am come down to deliver them. You see, Moses had forgotten who God uses. And Moses had forgotten about the presence of God. You know, when God wants us to do something, we say, who am I? I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. We need to remember who God uses. And secondly, we need, need to remember that He's with us. Remember what Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the one who no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, He has saved us and He will never leave us. He's the most powerful friend that we can have. He's our helper. He's the friend that helps us in time of need. It's a wonderful thing that he has done. God calls no man to the ministry who does not realize his own insignificance. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody that goes into the ministry and they're going to turn the world upside down. You know, it's just interesting. And, you know, I suppose I'm one of those guys. When I came to Grace Baptist Church, I just knew we were going to be a mega church within five years. People were going to be coming here to see how did you do it? You know, that never happened. (laughs) It's so interesting. It is so interesting. I'll tell you when things really changed for me in the ministry. So for the first eight years here, you know, it was a fight to turn the church and to get us going in the right direction, and I had to be pretty tough to do that. Well, then I got to a point where I said, I don't know if I can be the man that Grace Baptist Church needs to pastor them now because of how, you know, it's like going from the soldier to the, to the governor. You know, it's just, it was a different role. And I just needed God to help me. I needed God to help me to know how to love you all and to be the kind of pastor that you need to be. Do you know when God really changed me as a pastor? And and believe me, I know that I, I like to say I know a lot less about pastoring now than I did 20 years ago. But let me tell you when God changed me, when I got to the place where I said, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do it. And this is so true. God calls no man to the ministry who does not realize his, his own insignificance. I like to say everybody expects the pastor to be you know, a counseling whiz and a financial whiz and a preaching whiz and a teaching whiz and a building whiz, and I'm not even cheese whiz. Oh, like, I can't do this. And here's the deal. None of us can do what God has called us to do without God. But with God, we can do it. How many of you here struggle with your own significance in the ministry. You know that God has something for you to do, but you feel like you are so incapable of accomplishing what He wants you to do. You're right where He wants you because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's such a wonderful thing when we get to the place where we realize we need Him to do it. Moses has learned humility. He must now learn faith in God. I think that many of us have gotten to the place where life or ministry or whatever has beaten us down. So we've learned the humility. We've learned our own inability. Now we need to add the faith that God has promised. How do we get that? God's supernatural grace. Remember God's supernatural calling, His supernatural commission. And now we see God's supernatural grace. Remember, He never calls us to do anything that He doesn't give us the power and doesn't equip us to accomplish. Moses has problems. God has solutions. Moses has problems. God has solutions. And all of us get to the place where we say, I don't think I can do it. This has happened before. You ever been in this conversation? I think we ought to do this. And somebody starts bringing up all the reasons why. Well, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think she'll do that. I don't think he'll do that. I don't know that they'll be able to do it. Stop. This is what we're going to do. Now we just have to figure out how we're going to accomplish it in the power of God. Here are Moses' problems. Number one, verse 11. Who am I? I don't think I can do this. That's Moses' problem. Is that God's problem or is that Moses' problem? That's Moses' problem. Do you think God knows exactly who Moses is? And God still called him. That's Moses' problem. Here, verse 13. This is, this is an amazing thing. Verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? First thing Moses says is, who am I? Then he says to God, hey, God, who are you? Who are you? Have you ever felt like you don't really know God? I'll tell you what, when you are doing ministry and you get to a situation that you don't have any idea what the solution is, you're going to look at God and say, God, who are you? What are you going to do in this place? Now, can I ask you a question? Does God know who he is? So is this a Moses problem or is this a God problem? especially for us. Moses didn't have the Bible. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He didn't have the Bible. We have the Bible. Moses is saying, who are you? We get in a situation. Where is God? Who is God? I don't even know what God wants me to do in this situation. We have it revealed to us through the word of God. That's not a God problem. That's an us problem. Exodus 4.1, look at what he says. They won't listen to me. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. We all do that. I know I'm supposed to give the gospel, but they won't listen. No, you don't know my family. You don't know the people I work with. They won't listen. Is that a God problem, or is that an us problem? That's an us problem. Then, look at verse 10. He said, I don't speak well. Chapter 4, verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither here, to, heretofore nor since hast thou spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Folks, I've heard you say it. I, you know, I start talking to people and I don't have the right words to say. You know, I love this. Some people say, Sometimes I just I wish Pastor Jim was here right now. And I would love to be there all of the time. But God did not intend for me to walk with you everywhere that you go to answer your Bible questions. God wants you to do that in this world. Right? Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many of you ever thought or said, I want to speak up, but I'm not sure what to say. How many of you ever said that? Right? That's exactly what Moses... I don't have the words. I don't have the ability. I'm not eloquent. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. We've all said that so many times. It's amazing how accurate the Word of God is. These are Moses' problems. Here are God's solutions for it. I love this. First thing, look at verse 12. He said, I'll go with you. And he said... This is chapter 3 and verse 12. Certainly... I will be with thee. That's awesome. When you walk into that hospital room and you need to talk to somebody, God's with you. When you walk into that workplace, you need to represent Christ, He's with you. When you guys go into that school and you need to represent Christ and you're saying, I'm not sure if I can do this. Remember, He is with you. He is with you. I've had this thought. Um, you know, I'm in a place... And I see somebody that's not behaving right, and I kind of want to do something about it. I've had this thought. I wish Wade was with me. I wonder. I think, Wade, are you in the overflow or downstairs? Okay. I've often thought, I wonder if anybody ever talks back to him. You know? I, I think about Craig Peak. remember when Craig Peake was here, and he told the story about um, doing that funeral for a biker. And he's, he's preaching, and this biker at the back yells out, we didn't come here to hear that stuff. And he said, hey, I'm preaching. And he kept on going. He said, you better stop. Oh, I started talking to him. because you say one more word, I'm going to come back there and stomp you into that carpet. I was thinking, that wouldn't work for me. I don't think I could pull that off. But how cool would it be in that situation if I had Craig Peak standing next to me? Then I could lip off all I want to. It's so interesting that when God calls us to do something and we think, I'm I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. uh, I'm not eloquent enough. He's with us. That's the answer. God's answer is His very presence. He said, I'll go with you. And then He said, listen to my name. Do you see that in verse 14? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And He said, thus shalt thou say Unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. What does that mean? That means he is the God who was and is and always will be. He is the in the continual presence. So you know, present. You know, he never gets old. He never gets weak. He, he has no concern with supply. He has never diminished. He never runs out of grace. He never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of strength. He never runs out of justice. He never runs out of power. He never runs out of anything. He said, I am am. And when God sends us into the world, that's who goes with us. That's the one who goes with us. And then this is carte blanche. Can you imagine having everything that you need? And that's what God has given us. That's who he is. Here's another answer that God gives. He said, I'll give you power. Chapter four, we're not going to look through all of them, but he gave Moses signs. He gave him ability. He gave him something that was beyond what he ever could have imagined for himself. Now, we don't have signs and wonders that we have, but have you ever been in a situation where God gave you the words to say and you thought afterwards, where did that come from? How many of you, seriously, that's happened? How cool is that when God does that? Do you know what that tells you? It's Him. I remember I was in the bus ministry in uh, Indiana, and it was a large church, about 30,000 people. And we would take the bus all the way from, from uh, Hammond, Indiana, all the way into Joliet, Illinois. And we'd go back in, and that, that at night, we'd take the kids home, and then all the workers would get on a bus, and, and uh, we'd have preaching. And one of the Bible college students would preach, and they asked me to preach one time. And so I stood up there, and I started preaching. And that was the first time in my life that I had experienced God speaking through me. I started going and I started preaching. When I got done, I had this thought. Where did that come from? I never imagined that I could do that. It was God doing that. I was real tired this week. And uh, there's a man named Bruce Musselman. He has a radio broadcast that's all over northern uh, Ohio. And um, then it's on the Internet around the world. And he called and wanted to interview me about... uh, I thought it was about Baptist history. And so I got a few things ready. And two minutes before we go on, he said, I'm going to ask you some questions about the history of the Bible and the influence of the modern translations. And I'm thinking, I didn't prepare for that. And I'm about to go on the radio. And I told Laura after I was done, it was such a cool thing. It's like my mind turned on and the answers started coming and it just started working. What is that? That's God working past your own ability. It's just, have you ever experienced something like that? All of a sudden, God gives you the right answer. He, he puts you in the right place. And it's an amazing thing. One of the things that I love to hear about is you guys, you, you, people tease you about your Christianity at work or at school, and then they have a need. And they come to you, hey, um, can you help me find a, a, a Bible verse for this person? Can you help? How many of you that's happened to you? They've mocked you, and then they've come to you when you have a need. It's God that does that. It's God that does it. We have a wonderful, wonderful Savior. He said, "I will give you power, and then I love this part." When he said he couldn't speak, look at verse 11, chapter four and verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, oh, we need verse 10 really, for the context." And Moses said unto him, "O, o uh, unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant." But I am slow of speech, and slow of tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. How about that? Uh, How many of you ever wanted God to be with your mouth? I will be with... God sent you to give the gospel. How many of you recognize that God wants you to give somebody the gospel? Right? Do you know that? Three people. How many of you know that God wants you to give somebody the gospel? Right? He is with your mouth. He made your mouth. He knows about your ability and inability. He knows about your mental capacity. He knows about every bit of that. And yet he told you to go and do it. Now, did he make your mouth? He'll also tell you what to say. He will help you. I love that. I made your mouth. He said, I'll give you the words and the ability. But look at Moses' refusal. Verse 13, chapter 4 and verse 13. After all of that, and he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. So now we're thinking that he's speaking in the third person. No, no, no. He's saying, you'll find someone. Lord, I hope you find that guy. I hope you find somebody that can do that. That's a real need. I think I'll pray with you. I'll even send you some money. Here's how we know. Here's how we know. That's what he was saying. Look at verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, here, look at this. I want you to see my slide right here. Don't miss this. (laughs) There's something about to happen here that's really incredible. This made God very angry. And look at the verse. Look at what it says. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, you don't want to miss this; it's really important. Every other time this phrase is used in God it is used, God's getting ready to kill somebody. When the anger of the Lord is kindled against somebody, that's a bad place to be. Look here, Numbers eleven one. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. Let's look at what happens. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. That means he burned them up. When God's anger is kindled, that's a bad place to be. Look at this, Deuteronomy 7, 4. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. Joshua 7, 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And remember, they went up to Ai. They should have been able to defeat them easily. And 36 of them were killed. You see, when the anger of the Lord is kindled, that's a bad place to be. Does God change? So when God calls you to do something and you say, I can't send someone else, that makes him angry. Do you all believe that? Do you believe that? Have you ever told your child to do something and they didn't do it? And you go, oh, that's so sweet. No, you get angry. You better do what I told you. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. You know, God brought us into this world and He can take us out. Now, aren't you glad that we're under grace? I'm not going to sit here and tell you, if God calls you to the ministry, you don't go, He's going to kill you. I don't believe God's going to do that. But I can tell you this, you'll be miserable because He created you to do something. All right? Now, look. Look at what God does. But in His grace, God provides a helper for Moses, his brother Aaron. Look at verse 14 again. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Now, it's important that you see this. God will use us if we're available. He'll use us if we're available. Do you know that He doesn't use us if we're not available? How many many of you would rather be used of God? He'll use us if we're available. And then, what are your objections? So God's called us to serve Him. He might be calling some of you young men to preach the gospel. He might be calling some of you to, to go into the ministry. But He's called all of us. He has called all of us to represent Him in the world. Right? What are your objections to doing that? Well, you don't understand my past. Have you killed anybody? Moses did. Well, I can't speak. Well, Moses couldn't either. Well, I I don't have the ability. Moses didn't either. God wants you to do something. What are your objections? What are God's answers to them? All right, let's look at this. All of us have objections to serving God. God's solutions are available to us all as well. God says, first of all, he says, I'll go with you. Do you know that when you got into the world he's with you? What? No you not? That you're the temple of God and that he's in you? Isn't that wonderful? Everywhere you go, God goes with you. He says I'll go with you. And then he says remember my name. Do you know what we have that Moses didn't have? Moses was one of his chosen people. We are one of his sons. We are sons of God. We have His name. Isn't that wonderful? We're Christians. We are His representatives in the world. He said, I will give you power beyond what you ever thought possible. Listen, let me tell you something. When I was that young college student sitting there listening to preachers preach, and I said, I wish I could do that. I didn't think that I could. And now He enables me to speak in ways that I never dreamed possible. Now, listen... I'm not saying that I'm a great speaker or whatever. That's, that's not my point. What I'm saying is I'm able to speak way better than I ever thought that I would be able to. Does that make sense? All of us, whatever it is, whatever God's called you to do, He will enable you to do it. Remember, you young people, remember when Johnny Pope preached at our teen camp? How many of you have ever heard Johnny Pope preach? You've heard him. All right, Brother Pope couldn't speak, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't talk well, but he knew God had called him to preach. He would fill his mouth full of marbles and stand in front of a mirror and try to learn to be able to pronounce his words legibly with a mouthful of marbles. What was he doing? He knew God had something for him. And he knew that he had a disability. But he was going to do everything that he needed to do to overcome that disability. And now he's one of the greatest preachers you'll ever hear. He's one of the greatest communicators you'll ever hear. And he has a very unique way of speaking because he had marbles in his mouth. It's an interesting thing. And then, God also says, I will give you the words to say and teach you how to say them. See, Moses didn't have a Bible. God has given us the words to say. And then the Holy Spirit of God gives us the wisdom as to how to say them. That's what God has given us. God's answers. And then, I love this. He said, I'll provide a brother to help you. Isn't it wonderful that we're not alone in the ministry? We're not alone in this world. I love it that when I go to the fair ministry, I'll have somebody with me. My disciples. My disciples. Matt, Chad, and Jeff, you guys will be out there with me. I won't be alone out there. It's an awesome thing to realize that God doesn't send us out alone. He sends us out two by two. What God says is, I know that it's hard to go, so I'm going to bring a brother alongside you. Aren't you glad you got brothers and sisters in Christ that want to serve the Lord with you? God is so gracious. What a blessing that is. Who am I? The call of God. Let me ask you a question. What does God want you to do? I know He wants you to do something. You need to ask God what it is. Let's all stand together.